Last week, we finished our journey through the Gospel of Luke by talking about small, humble acts of service as those which make us great in the kingdom of heaven. This week's passage from the Gospel of John begins with such an act. A Samaritan woman at the town well in the heat of the day offers Jesus a cool drink of water and walks away having received much more than she gave. Today, this passage is a well that we all can draw from. It is a source of that living water Jesus invites us to taste. What kinds of refreshment are you needing today? Pray with me. Creator God, we come with empty buckets to the well of your living water. We have needs of all kinds, but mostly we ask for you to meet us at the well and speak to us. Teach us from your text. Open our eyes and our ears to your words to us this morning. Amen. Have you ever felt like a nobody? unpopular or misunderstood, maybe a woman in a man's world, a misfit or an underdog. The text for today centers on a Samaritan woman Jesus meets at the well, and we don't know very much about her. We can infer that she has a checkered past with many husbands, which would have given her maybe a bad reputation or a certain stigma. We know that she's a Samaritan who would not have interacted with uh, Jewish people like Jesus and the disciples. She is a nobody in this text. The gospel author didn't even give her a name. But Jesus sees her and invites her to help him. He breaks rules to talk to her. The disciples are shocked. Of course, we must ask, who are the nobodies around us that need to be given the dignity of a name, a story, and a way to serve and participate? We start with the question we ended off last week in our Luke text. What seeds are you planting? What seeds of God's love and God's kindness are you scattering in your orbit? Or maybe it is you feeling like a nobody, unseen and rejected. It's often our tendency as Christians and church people when we read the Gospels to put ourselves in the place of Jesus, imagining ourselves crossing boundaries to offer charity and love to others, but let's acknowledge the ways that Jesus has crossed boundaries to reach us. How many cultural boundaries and social conventions and language barriers stand between us and Jesus? What would it take for Jesus to reach us if it was us at the well that day? What if we look at the text first as if we are the woman at the well, as if we still have more to learn from Jesus, as if we still have need of living water from time to time? It's interesting that Jesus is the one in need in this text. He has no bucket to let down, and he offers 
her the opportunity to bless him with a deed of charity. He initiates the conversation, so the rule-breaking is on him and not her. Jesus brings a spirit of mutuality to this interaction with the woman. He does not bring an air of superiority, but instead a spirit of humility. He initiates a conversation with her by asking for her help, asking for her to minister to him. Notice that it is Jesus who is thirsty. He's been traveling through Samaria and is tired and parched, but he has no bucket and relies on her hospitality. How often are we the ones with the bucket and given the opportunity to recognize the face of Christ asking us for a drink? There's something beautifully simple in the staging of this scene as well as its premise. Jesus is thirsty at the well and we are the ones with the bucket. The deeper metaphorical conversation that follows makes no sense until we really take this in. Can something so simple as a cup of cool water on a hot day be the start of a life-changing conversation? Yes, and we will never know until we meet the stranger and tend to the human need first. It can be as small as offering a a moment of dignity I once worked a job doing surveys, and I had to approach people in parks to ask them to participate in a survey. It was not a fun job. It felt awful to work up the courage to ask someone if they'd participate in a survey and be looked past or ignored. It was a blessing to be treated like a human being, acknowledged politely even if the passerby was too busy to stop, and help me. It gave a, it gave me just the solace of being acknowledged, a smile, even if the person was too busy to help me. And this gave me a much deeper appreciation for those who work customer service jobs or cold calling, or even more so for our neighbors who live on the streets. To be seen and treated with dignity and respect is something that you take for granted until you don't have it anymore. Jesus offers this dignity to a woman who did not expect to receive it from him, and she offers it to him in return. With the spirit of mutuality Jesus brings to this conversation, Jesus reminds us that as we minister to one another, we too are also recipients. We too learn and grow from those we minister to. Oftentimes, Christian evangelism has taken on a spirit of conquest, of conversion, but Jesus always approached people with a spirit of mutuality, of kindness and humility. In many cases, Christian missionary work has not approached missions in this way. In my experience on the mission field, the charity, the teaching, the evangelism was one way. I often left feeling inspired by the people that I met and surprised because I did not expect and had not been prepared to expect to learn from the folks I was going to help. 
The best mission work always follows the example of Jesus in that it both offers dignity and a mutual exchange of kindness and respect. Embedded in this text is a metaphor of harvest, of sowing and reaping and the process in between. Jesus tells his disciples that they are being sent out to reap where others have labored. They are finishing the work others have started. As followers of Jesus, we too are sowers and reapers, sowing love and reaping a harvest of righteousness, justice, and the advent of the kingdom in our midst. But even as we plant and water and tend to others, we too have been planted, watered, and tended to. It's easy to put ourselves in the place of Jesus, but we have also been the woman at the well. Jesus has crossed boundaries and broken the rules for us. Let us not forget that we have been the product of seeds planted. We have been recipients of love. We have been nurtured and grown and pruned by loved ones. Sunday school teachers or Bible study leaders, teachers and coaches, friends and neighbors. And we still need care and tending from others from time to time, even now. Do you sometimes struggle to let yourself be helped? If you are like me, you're happy to serve and give and lead, but allowing someone else to serve me? I confess this is an area where I am not my most Christ-like. I help facilitate a safe space for others to be vulnerable with with each other, but in this but often I am the one who really struggles to be vulnerable with others. It's just who I am. It's a growing edge, you could say. But in this passage, Jesus had a need and he allowed someone else to help him. He wasn't too proud to seek out what he needed in the midst of his travels, and he wasn't too proud to ask someone else to help him. I need the reminder from Jesus that total independence is not always a virtue, and complete self-reliance is not a fruit of the Spirit. Instead, it is a blessing to lean on others from time to time. Did you notice as the passage was read how the woman at the well came to perceive Jesus as her Messiah? How she went through a bit of a a process of understanding. Initially, as anyone would do, she at first accepted him as a stranger with a different background from her. She might have found it strange that he addressed her at all. She takes his word literally, consumed by the task of lowering her bucket and drawing water, so she doesn't quite catch on when he shifts into figurative speech about living water. She doesn't get it. But when he reveals to her what he knows about her, she perceives him to be a prophet. Suddenly, the conversation shifts from religious metaphor to a personal nature, and it causes the light bulb to go off in her head. She realizes that she is being seen and understood and perceived. That this man at the well isn't merely some strange philosopher waxing poetically to anyone who would listen, but something different. 
Can you imagine how that dawning must have felt? A guy from out of town ignoring social rules to address her, perhaps seeming a little bit weird. She might simply have been making small talk out of politeness or maybe loneliness. But then all of a sudden, this stranger turns the conversation to her, knowing things about her that he couldn't possibly know. It's surprising enough that she didn't run away in fear. There must have been no judgment or accusation in his eyes. She must have felt safe and not threatened. So she supposes him to be a prophet, a man with a special connection to God. She does the next logical thing, which is to speak about religion and to have an interfaith dialogue of sorts. I believe X, but you believe Y. Interfaith dialogue so often zooms in on our differences rather than our shared belief. Us versus them, or right versus wrong. But Jesus turns the conversation in a surprising direction, pulling her out of this binary thinking and saying, it's no longer about this mountain or that one, or these minute details that religious people of all stripes often tend to fixate on. Instead, God is including all who worship in spirit and in truth. He's telling her that though they disagree about the minutiae, though her past mistakes maybe make her an outcast in polite society, she is invited to be a part of this new reality because he's the one who's inviting her in. He is no longer a prophet in her mind from here on out. She sees him as Messiah. And lastly, she goes off and tells her friends. She goes from the seed planted to the gardener planting other seeds. This is a conversion story from start to finish in a very condensed narrative. But the process that she experienced in one chapter of scripture maybe takes others years or even a lifetime to process and grow through. Jesus is patient with us, just as he is patient with the woman at the well, and patient with his disciples too. As you all know, Remy and I are moving this week. Our home is under contract with a lovely local couple who remind me of us. I planted peony bulbs uh, last fall, and we won't get to see them bloom. They've started to grow and spring up, but from what I understand, it's year two and three where they start to become showstoppers. Um, So I won't be able to see their big blossoms, but our new buyers will get to enjoy their beauty. In a way, I feel the same about the work that I've gotten to participate here at First Baptist. I have been blessed to see this church change and grow in my time here and gain momentum after the pandemic that has been pretty exciting. We have a new Sunday night program with the youth in the activities building. We have a young adults ministry that's getting off the ground with Davida Parnell. And we're in a fun season of growth. There is so much beauty and work being done that I won't be around to see flourish, but I feel so blessed to have played a small part in the process. Jesus tells his disciples, 
The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. He tells them that they are being sent out to reap a harvest. As believers and Christians, we may be sowing or we may be reaping, or we may be a part of some process in between. Let us offer grace to one another as we find each other at different parts of our own journey, discovering God in unexpected places and learning how to share that experience with others. God is at work in me and in you and in us as a collective community to bring about a kingdom of justice and righteousness and we get to both realize it within ourselves and in our community. This is cause for rejoicing. Amen.